Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Again, we uh, welcome our guest this week, Brad Cohn, who's been on our program a number of times through the years. Brad, I want to talk about sort of a, a litany of uh, different things that, that, that sort of came up in the first sector. We talked about uh, Medicaid expansion being a real issue for the state of North Carolina. Well, there's a couple of other issues I want to get your opinion on. Uh, it does seem like, uh, at least from what I'm reading, you are far more involved than I am, but it does look like that uh, Medicaid expansion is is on a uh, track that uh, probably looks like that uh, we'll have some form of that. But what about sports betting? Uh, that uh, we are surrounded by uh, a lot of states that have accepted sports betting as being legalized. Uh, what uh, and uh, there are a lot of people that thought it would be passed in the last session. It was not. Where does that stand? Well, uh, on the Medicaid expansion, a lot depends on what comes out of the hospitals and the North Carolina Health Association and their willingness to negotiate with the state Senate on a certificate of need legislation. And that will be critical to that element. Also, what type of rebate will the hospitals be willing to do? Right now, it, the, the Medicaid expansion funding would be 90% federal, 10% state. And the state Senate wants to have some type of mechanism where the hospitals help cover that 10% of the cost that the state would be responsible for. So that's what the hospitals and the provider communities negotiating with Speaker Moore and the President Pro Tem Berger on at this point in time. Those negotiations are ongoing. There have been proposals, counterproposals. Uh, they will be meeting in the corner suites, working out that process. I do think at some period of time that we will have a Medicaid expansion deal. I would not take any bets at this point in time on what that's going to look like at the end of the day and what the payables, the liabilities will be for the provider community versus the assets. And speaking of betting, I do think sports gaming uh, will be back uh, at the General Assembly. What form and fashion that takes will be interesting. There are two major players in that with the Carolina Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes, both wanting to take advantage of sports gaming uh, at their facilities. Right now, uh, the Cherokee have uh, sports gaming, uh, sports books at their facilities in Murphy and in Cherokee. And then the Catawba Nation has sports book, I believe, at their Kings Mountain facility. And will you be able to expand to professional um, sports facilities that you have there in Charlotte and that you have here at the PNC Arena in Raleigh? as well as what would online sports book look like. Right now, the people are doing it and the state's not getting a takeoff of it. So uh, it, I think it will be interesting. They were a few vo votes short uh, back in late August and, and September when they were wrapping up the session of the General Assembly. W what impact this election will have remains to be seen on sports book for uh, next session. 
<clears throat> Another interesting element when it comes to gaming is the expansion of the state lottery into video poker. And will they allow the state lottery to set up kiosks in restaurants and in bars and in taverns and at the uh, sports locations, whether it's Keenan Stadium or whether it's uh, the Carolina Panthers Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte to have kiosks for video poker and video gaming. <clears throat> and that would be a billion dollar take for the for uh, online gaming with the state taking a very significant cut out of that as much as 40 to 50 percent. So a lot of revenue on the table there when it comes to video poker. <clears throat> and the state, you know, under from 2000 to 2006 had video poker and uh, the state outlawed it in 2008. And now the state lottery has been introducing gradually online games such as Kino and uh, online uh, gaming centers. Um, so I think you're going to see that the state, the legislature needs to have a very serious discussion about gaming, whether it's sports gaming or video gaming, what's available, how can you regulate it, how can you tax it and generate revenue off of it. The other thing that you introduced a little earlier was the Anjo case, uh, $3.5 billion, a lot of money. Yeah, it is a lot of money, and I think you're going to have a, a lot of debate. Uh, Representative Torbett out of Gaston County earlier this week on Wednesday announced a, a slate of education reform issues, one of them going back to the school calendar issue. So alert, we will more than likely have a vigorous debate about our school calendar, when school starts and when school ends. Uh, Representative Torbett was saying, Don, that he won't start, he wants to start school Tuesday after Labor Day and try and get finished up by Memorial Day. And so your urban school boards are going to have a stroke over, over that process. Uh, many of them, Forsyth County, for example, wants to start school as early as August 11th. By compressing your school calendar, it helps your vacation industry in the state, but it also means that you'll have shorter Christmas holiday breaks, shorter Thanksgiving breaks, shorter spring breaks, fewer teacher work days. Mm -hmm. that, good, bad, or indifferent, I don't know the answer to that question, but it's going to be uh, a vigorous debate that legislature will have. The opportunity scholarship and additional funding that you'll see there on school choice issues, another issue of critical importance. And I believe with the Republicans increasing their seat counts in both chambers, that there's going to be more and more support for school choice and moving funds, public education funds away from public school systems to charter schools and to private school vouchers. And I believe parents across the state are saying more and more, we want choices for our children, better choices. We want to create an environment where there's competition among the school choices that will deliver the best educational opportunity for their children. And you're seeing that with the, the, the 
increase in in charter schools across the state, movement in particular with uh, communities of color, children uh, coming out of African-American, Latinx, and Asian households going into charter schools, thinking that their children will get more attention and a better education than they would receive under public schools. So that's going to put stress on our public school systems as we move forward. But I really do believe that the Republicans are are committed to major reforms when it comes to education. They want to restructure the payment process. They want to restructure the licensing process for uh, teachers. And that will have an impact on our public school system. So there are going to be multiple challenges that the State Board of Education and our county and local boards of education will face on all the public school systems across the state of North Carolina, as well as additional money, I believe, going into charter schools and into private schools. And I'll say this, I don't have an answer. I'm just an observer in this fight. But I don't necessarily think that it's a negative stand uh, on providing more choices for parents to have when it comes to the education of their children. So uh, I did some polling work last year and was really surprised uh, focus group research in, in Charlotte and in Raleigh and in Greenville talking about education. And I was really shocked at the lack of public support, uh, of voter support for public schools. And it, it was probably the lowest level that I've ever seen in 31 years of doing this uh, of political consulting work. And I, I, I had talked about that uh, last year with Governor Hunt. And I said, it's a really big challenge. And, and I believe it's a clarion call for a public school system to rise up and to meet the challenges. Now, the public schools would argue to you, Don, that they don't have the same set of rules that the charter schools have, that they have to take all comers, that they have to have uh, special needs programs for special students, uh, academic programs for underperforming students, and they're much more inclusive and that puts additional burden and financial strains on our public education system. I get that. I understand that. But I believe, also believe that they have enough money from an infrastructure standpoint to create a competitive environment for parents to make smart decisions on what's going to be best for their child. And more parental involvement and inclusion in that process is going to be a critical element to the policy that the Republicans are going to be looking at. The other issue uh, that uh, I guess this is sort of an insignificant issue, but it's still one that uh, people are going to be kind of interested in seeing how it turns out, and that is do we go to the daylight savings time year-round? That would be interesting at the state level. There's definitely support for that. There are several states, Arizona, that I can think of for for certain. Uh, I would hope that we could figure out some manner to deal with the time issue on a national basis so that when you're traveling, if we went to uh, daylight savings time on an annual basis so that, you know, 
I wouldn't want to have a situation where Commonwealth of Virginia and the state of Tennessee recognize standard time and we don't. So every time you cross over the border into Tennessee, you got to change your watch. And then if you cross over into Roan County into um, going over to Davidson County, for example, I, I believe the timeline is right there just west of Knoxville and Roan County from eastern to central. So I, I would would not want to see a, a situation like that. So hopefully they can figure out some type of solution, pass a resolution stating support and look at it as a as an issue of commerce and trade um, that we would look at a federal solution rather than a state solution. I know flying into Arizona in uh, the summer because Arizona stays on standard time is often a, a real um, disruption. But, you know, people do it. The interesting thing, the reason we have standardized time is the railroads. You know, prior to the railroads, everybody had their own, you had local time, not standard or daylight savings time. So um, it is something that we'll have to look at. Another really uh, important issue, but I don't think it's going to get a lot of time and attention, is going to be climate change. And, uh, you know, will we take efforts to reduce carbon emissions in the state of North Carolina? What's going to happen with staffing over at the Department of Environment and, and uh, quality controls for the environment? So the, the uh, environmental and climate issues will be another one that we'll watch as the General Assembly and, and the governor tangle over that. Our guest is Brad Crone. We've got one final segment coming up. And then during that segment, we want to talk a little bit about the Ukraine situation, inflation. We might even touch on NIL because there are a lot of people that think only Congress can uh, straighten out that mess. Uh, and we uh, some other issues as well. Our guest is Brad Crone, and we look forward to uh, getting his opinions and thoughts on those issues. And we'll do that right after we take time out for these messages. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Here's a fun fact for you. The average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it, unless you're a chameleon. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. 
Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Again, our guest is Brad Cron, who uh, has had a very interesting career throughout his uh, his entire career. Back when he had good sense, he was a member of the staff of WPTF in the news department. Then he became a a, a daily newspaper publisher at the Thomasville Times. And uh, then he's also in his past uh, done such things as being the uh, uh, being involved as uh, a special assistant to uh, Commissioner Jim Graham, who was one of North Carolina's most colorful politicians. I bet you can tell lots of stories <laughs> about your involvement, with Jim Graham. And we probably ought to take a whole segment sometime and just talk about that. Oh, the, the, the main question I want to know about your relationship with Jim Graham. Could you ever tell what he was really saying? <laughs> hey, and when he really didn't want you to understand, he'd lay it on thick. My, yeah, because he, he mumbled. Because he, you know, he, he really mumbled. Right. And he'd get a cigar in his mouth and, you know, good luck on figuring out what he was saying. My, We did a, a cattle sale up in Jackson uh, in Northampton County. And it was amazing to me watching Jim Graham work the group. And he would now, Miss Cooper, how are you? Now, how's your sister Sally doing? And he knew everybody's family lineage. So when I got back in the car driving back to Raleigh, I said, Commissioner, how do you know all these folks? He said, I memorize. He said, I, I will ask somebody who their family is and their family lineage, and I will identify one person or two people. He had almost a, a close to a photographic memory on family lineage, and then he could memorize spreadsheets, financial spreadsheets. So it was always intriguing watching him because he would, you know, he'd ask you how Aunt Sally's doing. At that point in time, he had you. Bam. You know, you're, you're totally connected. And then, you know, there's some people. That, uh, go ahead. There, I, I was going to say there's some people that have that, that ability. Dean Smith was another one. He and Jim Graham never forgot a, a face. They just didn't. They remembered everybody. They didn't. It's just absolutely intriguing to me. And then I'll never forget when he was trying to get the Raleigh Farmers Market Bill. He was dealing with a couple of state senators. And uh, he memorized the the spreadsheets on the production and the value of the the new farmer's market that they were building uh, off of Lake Wheeler Road at the time. And it was just incredible watching him work the work the room. And uh, it, it truly was the guy, uh, the vision that he had for our state on building out a network of farmers markets really transformational. And I think when on Saturdays, when I go to the market, I think he would be so proud to see the fact that you have to park up on the grass because you cannot find a parking spot on Saturday and Sunday out at the farmer's market. And he'd be so proud of that. And I think he would be very proud of the work that Steve Troxler has done in his footsteps and following him and the investment that that commissioner Troxler has made on the marketing of commodity products in our state. So, you know, Don, we, we, a lot of times have major disagreements, but we've had some darn good people govern our state. And, and Steve Troxler is one of them. Uh, Harlan Bowles, for example, a treasurer. Um, we've had Richard Moore, we, we've had really good people 
uh, Thad Ure and the Secretary of State, Rufus Edmonston as AG. And so we've been lucky in having really good people uh, in the Council of State offices govern our state. But I, I digress there. We were going to talk about inflation. Well, I was going to, uh, I want to add a little bit to what you said because, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, Jim Graham could do so well because he, Gave you that country bumpkin talk all the time, but the guy was brilliant. I mean, he was very, very smart. And so he could slip up on you before you knew it. Your pocket had been picked. Yes. Uh, yeah, we, we do, we do want to talk about some of the other issues that may or may not be a factor in the election uh, two years hence. Uh, one that may be solved by that time may not be is the grain situation. We're pouring a lot of money in that. Uh, how long do you think the American people will feel comfortable? Uh, I mean, right now there's a, an incredible amount of sentiment, uh, and rightly so for the Ukraine people. But how long will our patience with that matter last, in your opinion? At least for the next short term, probably for the next 12 months, the president requested an additional $37 billion supplement for Ukrainian aid earlier this week. And the advancements that they have made have been made on the back of United States technology, United States training uh, on high-tech warfare systems that have really helped them. Their anti-defense system and then the uh, on-the-ground drone efforts that they've had uh, the fact that they were able to take the southern city of Kherson was absolutely instrumental in uh, poking a real hot stick into President Putin's eye. And it has not been a good war for Russia. It is a proxy war in the sense that it's American technology, European technology versus Russian war technology. And what we're seeing is that the American defense systems have proved to be extremely effective, even when outmanned and outgunned by the Repo by the Russians with uh, traditional weapon systems, the uh, ground-to-air missiles that the Russians have used are really proven that they they are out of date. The electronic systems that are GPS driven by the Americans are much more succinct, much more direct, much more effective. And so from that standpoint, the folks, the planners at the Pentagon have to be extremely happy. And whether or not oh. the appetite will remain, I don't know. But I, I hope that the Russians and Ukrainians can get some type of agreement to sit, at least sit at the table during the winter months before we go into a second year of war. It's, it's how long will it, I was going to ask you, how long do you think, I mean, one of the things that's going to happen to Russia is they're going to be so weak after this thing is over. Uh, how long do you think it will take them to ever become a real factor again as far as a nemesis? I, I know nuclear, they're probably in fairly good shape to give us a little scare, but uh, they're using an awful lot of their assets and using them up. Uh, and how long do you think it will take them to rebuild? You've got to believe that the economic sanctions are beginning to have a strangling effect on the Russian economy. Uh, you see that on the international monetary markets with the value of the ruble 
the fact of the matter is that Putin overplayed his hand, made a bad decision, and the biggest element to the story, I believe, Don, is going to be watching what happens in Moscow and whether or not there will be internal pressure uh, placed on Putin to change course, or will there be internal political pressure to look for the post-Putin, the next Russian leader, and who who will that be? And uh, that will that that will be significant. Clearly, you're you're absolutely right. Our, you know, the fact that we had the Cold War and we won the Cold War, we went through a period of time of where we could accept each other. Now we're back at at um, enemy level, I believe, but not as near much with China. China. I believe China and India pose much more, uh, China in particular from a military standpoint, India from an economic standpoint, pose more threats to us uh, than the state Russian state does at this point in time. But I, I, I also am very surprised at the fact that the Ukrainians have said, no, n- not this time. And so that's an important component for global um, positioning as well. The concern that I have is that a prolonged war is just going to really, really impact Russia from an ener- uh, European continent from an a energy standpoint and an economic standpoint. The UK finance minister on Thursday announced a massive amount of spending cuts, uh, almost $60 billion in increased taxes across the UK, as well as announcing publicly that the Great Britain was in recession. And the markets, um, how they received that news uh, was not very positive. And Target also on Thursday announced that they believe their guidance to Wall Street late Wednesday afternoon was that their profits were going to recede uh, as a result of people spending less money for the holidays. So I believe setting uh, uh, economic policy and course for the next two years is going to be important. I believe we will probably have a recession. I think that it will be uh, a mild recession, and it, I hope that it will be a short recession. Um I was reading some reports from the Wall Street Journal over the weekend while I was down at the Outer Banks about uh, Jerome Powell's Fed policy on the economy. And the Fed is apparently taking the position by raising the rates for borrowing money as a cooling off mechanism of our economy, but also hopefully to stimulate our employment sector. Uh, We are still post-COVID on the employment sector with a lot of people still not wanting to work. And hopefully a uh, recession will help do a reset button there and, and get it back. With all that said, Don, North Carolina is probably in the strongest position you and I have ever seen and our audience has ever seen when it comes to economic stability, in particular in our urban and suburban markets. And, uh, Just last week, we had two major industrial announcements uh, with 
more than a billion dollars of investments and more jobs coming into North Carolina. You're seeing the banking industry in Charlotte stabilize. You're seeing Apple in Research Triangle Park. You're seeing the uh, Toyota plant in Central North Carolina and Randolph County. Just huge investments that I think will prove to be stabilizing factors for North Carolina's economy, even though we face a recession. Yeah, North Carolina, as you said, is in probably the best. Of course, Linfest, the automobile manufacturer, huge, huge number of employees and so forth. Well, Brad, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast, or if you happen to be listening to one of the stations that carries only the half-hour version, you can pick up the two other segments that are included in this broadcast by going to carolinanewsmakers.com, carolinanewsmakers.com. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he promises another interesting guest next week. So we will look forward to seeing you and yours next week. Same time, same station. Have a good week. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.